some people will be angered and feel defensive about the way they do things. And I, and, and I hear that. Um, I hear it from those people. Um, my suggestion is that discernment is critical at this point in time in our world. The ability to discern people's intentions and their values and their dedication to this work and their legitimacy is critically important. Rogue groups begin to form in opposition to people who do good things. We are going to do good things, and if that happens, then that happens. Be careful who you play with. That's my caution. We are not going to end this conference on a whimper. We're going to go out with a bang. This is a big day. Folks are very interested in this, this session, as they should be. This is really important. Um, we're going to find out um, sort of exactly how this, how this program of reinstituting AdWords through the LegitScript folks and the Google relationship and, and our work on it come together and what that looks like now and what that's going to look like going forward. But I want to begin because this will be my last opportunity to say something to all of you uh, this week. Um, first of all, thanks for some special sponsors. Um, Alina Lodge and Haley House and Pine Grove bought breakfast this morning. Thank you guys, Michael and Debbie. I want to thank the folks who work so hard on this conference. It's a, uh, it's a good group of people. Um, we have a good group of volunteers that come in, well, that work throughout the whole time, actually, but then come in and really work hard on the ground. And I want to thank Allison Harden. Allison, are you here? Oh, yeah, um, She's working. She's out there working. Allison Harden is our boots <laughs> on the ground here in Colorado, and she did great work for us. Um, I want to thank Betsy Cox. I think Betsy had to take off, but she, she comes every year. And you know, there are certain volunteers that just work. Betsy's one of those people. She just works. What's the job? Let me do it. And then she, and we trust her, and off she goes. She's wonderful. Thank you, Betsy, who's on an airplane. Um, Ruth Ann Rigby also is always uh, a wonderful volunteer for us. And um, you know, all of the committee that worked so hard to, uh, to put this together, we're grateful takes a village. I want to introduce our staff to you. Um, it's important to me that you see their faces. Um, these are the people that do the work. Um, our staff is wonderful and growing. And um, I'm going to ask them, who are almost all in the same place, to please stand up for a minute while I tell you their names so you can put that to, your, to the faces. Um, so um, let's start over here on my right. Pete Thomas came aboard about a year ago. He is our quality assurance membership officer. And everybody we hire at NAATP brings us up just a little bit more. And Pete has done more than a little bit more. Pete's remarkable. He is smart. He is hardworking. He cares. And he understands this field at a core level. And he comes to us with the values that uh, must be our foundation for good work. You're a star, Pete, and we're glad to have you. <laughs> Jessica Swan uh, came uh, aboard three years ago, as Carl talked about yesterday, to fill a, a critically important niche, or if, you're, or if you're from Harvard Law School, niche, I still say niche, 
Um, um, <laughs> barely got a smile. Uh, Jessica Swan came to us uh, three years ago to take over a program that had a concept, but that was about it, the outcomes project. It takes tremendous skill and knowledge and sophistication and hard work to garner that monster and get it to the place where it is today where, where we're about to produce the toolkit for you. Jessica did that. Um, that's a lot of cat herding. And, um, uh, uh, you know, and it's hard because everybody doesn't like what you're doing, you know, you're, and you're constantly explaining the complexity of this because nobody had really taken this to the level of, of scientific research that she did. So, Jessica, um, we're so pleased that you've done such wonderful work for us. Thank you. Uh, without Mark Dunn, the Director of Public Policy in Washington, D.C., we simply wouldn't be effective on the national policy level. Mark is there every day. You see his policy updates uh, every week. And Mark knows people. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes policy advocacy is loud, and sometimes policy advocacy is subtle. And I'll tell you what, it's the subtle that gets the job done. It's, not, it's access and relationships that happen that, that actually influence things at the end of the day. And um, Mark is the man that does that for us, and we're grateful for you, Mark. In the striped dress is, is Tiffany Rohde. Tiffany came aboard two years ago and took over the front line of NAATP. I always say this, and maybe people don't appreciate how important it is to me, but things were a little bit broken and um, when the team switched three years ago and you know, we didn't have an office, and we didn't have a phone, you know, and the first time I heard her say, National Association, this is Tiffany, how may I help you? I got a little choked up. I still get a little choked up. I thought, well, heck, we're doing this thing. She's, I, I love Tiffany. She's going to leave us now because she's a humanitarian and she's going off uh, to do some wonderful work in the world. She finished her, um, this is what happens to me. We're kind of a family, and so I get a little, stop it. Uh, so I get a little emotional. So Tiffany's going to leave us. She finished her master's degree in counseling, and we're going to miss you. Um, Kayla Hewitt next to her, to the extent that it'll be possible to forget Tiffany, which it won't, Kayla Hewitt's coming in. Kayla's the program coordinator that, that has taken over uh, Tiffany's work. They've crossed paths so that she's all trained up, and Kayla brings intelligence and hard work and joy. Um, I like seeing Kayla's face in the morning because she's smiling when I see it. Thank you, Kayla. That's Katie Strand. Um, uh, uh, she's our director of operations. Um, you know, sometimes bosses say things like, you know, you should talk to this person. She's the real boss. And it's sort of this disingenuous thing. And so, you know, I'm tempted to kind of say that because it's not quite true. But here's what's true. Katie and I built this together. When I was hired and I decided that we would start from scratch, I needed a partner. Um, I needed somebody who would lead with me. And Katie has been my, my partner in this. 
and um, we would not be here. We would not be in any place like this. Katie, I was going to say, Katie does the work of five people, but I, I don't think that's true. I think she does the work of 10 people. And um, so uh, know that our director of operations is, is at the National Association is as good as it gets. And um, I love you, Katie. Now, I believe you people have work to do. <laughs> so I will say this, though, as they're walking out, there are three requirements to work at the National Association, and we are growing. Um, and the first is intelligence. These are smart people. Um, the second is, is work ethic. Um, if you, nobody needs to be told to work hard. If at our, at our association, they need to be told to go home sometimes at the end of the day. If and nobody that works for us needs to be told to work hard or they wouldn't be there. Um, and the third piece is values. These are good people. These are people that care about other people. These are people who care about you and, and we are good to each other. You know, I'm a product and my, my son is a product largely of Jesuit education, prep schools, and they have, they have a historic uh, motto, which is men for others. Now that they've become a bit less sexist, they are, they are men and women for others. But that means something to, to in, that, in that process of coming up in that, and that's what, that's what um, our staff believes. And so um, uh, that's what we need to believe as, as a field. This is for others. So um, as we grow and develop, that's the kind of folks we want around. Um, this is a big day, so please stick around. Doug Tiemann will be giving the next lecture, and, and he does a fabulous job in his ability to contextualize what's happening now, what's happened in our past, and what that might look like going forward is, is quite remarkable. So stick around for Doug. And then the PAC lunch and the membership lunch. So you're a membership body, folks. You're a membership organization. There are bylaws that say uh, that um, there are certain things that we, that we do. One of the things we do is convene an annual meeting every year, and that will be convened by our board chair at noon in the outdoor pavilion. It's a beautiful day. Um, and uh, we don't have an initiative, but we will open and close a meeting, and our, we'll probably remind you all that we have an initiative to vote on coming up. So that's, this is, it's paid for. Uh, the board of directors of the National Association buys, buys this lunch, and we're grateful to those folks, many of whom, whom you've met. So come to lunch uh, at lunchtime. That's when you would, um, <laughs> at, uh, in the pavilion. Um, look at my notes. Uh, oh, the exhibitors, you know. Thanks, exhibitors. I uh, hope you're visiting them. They're, 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 a, they're a big crew. Um, you know, by the way, we're busting out of this place, and next year at the Shoreham in D.C. is a big property. We've got, uh, as we grow, we're getting bigger and bigger properties. This will probably be the last time you're at a property like this. Um, and you see uh, by the magic of technology that next year's conference is, is placed on the screen. And um, NAATP National 2019 will be in Washington, D.C., May 5 through 7. Um, and uh, mark your calendars. We're at, it's going to be big. You're not going to miss it. You're not going to want to miss it. Well, you're not going to miss it. And, um, and so I want to say at, at this time, we announce the plans to begin the process, as soon as we catch our breaths, Katie, in, a, in about a week or so, we will begin working on, on Washington. We already have to some extent, and we're very pleased to announce today 
that the chair of the 2019 conference will be uh, our board member and incoming chair, John Driscoll. John, are you in the room? There he is. John, uh, John's extraordinarily capable. He talk about hard workers. And he is the executive vice president of the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation. Um, I sometimes still just shorthand Hazelden, but it's the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation, uh, HBF. All right. Um, so thank you, John. Um, you know how I said that, don't worry, the chair job is, you know, you don't have to do a lot. That's total bullshit. You're going to have to do um, so if you, the exhibitors, make sure you've, you've exhibit, make sure you visited all the exhibits and have your old form filled out in the program and drop it off at the front desk so you can win some stuff uh, this afternoon at the Ice Cream Social in between the final session sponsored by Harmony Foundation. And, uh, and, 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 and that's a thing you want to do. Um, hmm. I think I got it. I think that's it. I think that's everything. Oh, the last thing I'll say is, have you looked outside? It's awesome out there. If you're new to this area and you have not glanced toward the Rocky Mountains, today's the day to do it. If you look straight west, what you will see is the foothills of the Rockies. And, um, and they are, by, by many people's standards, they are uh, mountains. But then you look beyond that and you see the peaks of the Rocky Mountains, which are still snow-capped. If you look a little bit off to the right toward the University of Colorado's campus, Go Buffs, you will see... Um, Flatirons. They are, they are these remarkable rock formations, that's why this area is called Flatirons, um, that look as though they've been pressed uh, by an iron. It's just a beautiful view, and uh, a lot of folks don't get to see that very often. So, here we go. Google, LegitScript, NAATP, AdWords, the internet, um, holy cow. So, um, AdWords were suspended. Back last fall, we've been through all that. We know how that happened. The, the process of, of advertising online was badly abused by bad guys. And um, a process need to be, needed to be implemented to fix that. Google did respond. We met with them and we began the process of advising them and they were taking our advice as to how, how they should manage, how they should vet, how they should understand who the good guys and the bad guys are. Because the bad guys tell you they're the good guys, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's what they're good at. They even hold ethics conferences. So um, I said that out loud. Um, and so, um, you know, this is complicated. And, and Google, in their wisdom, brought along LegitScript. LegitScript is a very sophisticated organization that has uh, uh, come aboard to do the hard work of vetting. NAATP was asked to support this effort, and we have formally done so. I told John, John, I'm gonna introduce John in a minute, I told John, you know, the criteria, and John, these guys were really good too, they said, well, here's the certification criteria by which you will be required to follow in order to advertise. And would you look at them? And we did, and we said, we like this, and we don't like this, and what about this, and possibly you should think about this, and they did. They're taking that into consideration. We didn't end up with a product that that I think is perfect. And so there's a beta period going on. And some of it is uh, possibly imbalanced, right? Because we got some really hard 
interest to balance. America's about balancing interests, and this is a great example of it. So we've got to protect the consumer without killing the provider. So how do you balance those things? And as I said, everybody's got to give a little, right? Um, compromise is a good thing. Um, it's why our country's not working in many respects. We have to, uh, we have to sort of see this possibility and, and we have to give something. So you're going to have to give a little in terms of putting up with a lot of paperwork in order to get something. But, it shouldn't, but so is John and it shouldn't be unreasonable. So that's really what this is about. And it's not just about AdWords, it's also about SEO and, and maps. And so let me say this, this is going to be focused on the big dog, which is the AdWords issue. But I will tell you that simultaneously, um, uh, Google has contacted us and said we want to work on those other pieces too, and let's start with maps, because maps get stolen, and they get, they're, they're fraudulent, and they say that they're Seabrook when they're not. And so um, we've talked to, their, they're asking us, like, what kinds of things we, could we do to validate that that's not, that that's legit. Um, and um, good word. Eh. I actually told a guy at Google to Google that one time. It was I was like, that's funny. He didn't think it was. I guess they've heard that before. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. You should Google that. <laughs> John Horton is the CEO of LegitScript, a certification monitoring and compliance company headquartered in Portland, Oregon. The company clients include Google, Bing, Amazon, Visa. Facebook, Pinterest, and the United States Food and Drug Administration, the Department of Justice, and the Japanese Ministry of Health. John worked, uh, this is not a guy who doesn't know something about what we do. <clears throat> John worked as the Associate Deputy Director for uh, State and Local Affairs of uh, ONDCP, the Office of National Drug Control Policy from 2002 to 2007, where he helped the drug czar coordinate national drug control treatment and prevention policies. Before that, he prosecuted narcotics, go, we got another lawyer, uh, prosecuted narcotics cases and served as a uh, drug court prosecutor. John attended law school in both the U.S. and Japan. And um, uh, we're going to hear the majority of this presentation from John. But we're also lucky to have one of us uh, at the table, Matt Wolf. Many of you know Matt. He's the Vice President of Business Operations at Seabrook. Um, Matt is a person in long-term recovery who began his career at Seabrook in 1989. Over the last 29 years, Matt has worked in all aspects of business development, including triage, assessments, admissions, marketing, public relations, advertising, call center helping, care management, clinical outreach. Are you tired, Matt? Um, um, uh, medical records and contracts management. His expertise in web design, uh, development, search engine, engine, search engine optimization, and pay-per-click has launched Seabrook's national presence, which started over 20 years ago. Today, as Vice President of Business Operations, Matt continues to support the mission and vision of Seabrook to assist all families in need of addiction treatment. I asked Matt to be the guy for this one because I think he's the perfect guy for this one. He understands the work, he does the work, but he comes to this uh, from the core of recovery, transforming human beings from sick to well. And that's what guides his day. Uh, that's what guides people at Seabrook. And, um, but he also has to fill out the forms. And so uh, we're gonna hear from Matt. So um, with that, uh, I am pleased to uh, ask you, and I'm very 
pleased to ask you to, to welcome uh, John Horton, who didn't have to come here, right? I mean, I said, John, we need you, right? These people need to hear from the CEO of LegitScript. And he said, all right, I'll come. You're a good man, John. Thank you, Marv. You know, Marv, there, there were so many things, um, as somebody who also runs an organization that I love, about what you just did. Um, I always find myself needing to remind myself to recognize the people who work for my company, LegitScript. And it was great to see you recognize your staff, know something about every one of them, making them feel not like a cog in a wheel, but like somebody who you know and appreciate and you can say something unique about. And the other thing I loved about what you just did, Marv, is something I've learned and been reflecting on um, a lot recently is the, um, the importance of um, vulnerability. Who here has read uh, Brené Brown? Have you heard of her books at all? Yeah, I, um, I go to a CEO coach, and we have a group of about 25 CEOs in this group in Portland. And they brought in a professional speaking coach, and I gave this great speech. It was flashy and everything, and uh, I was on my game. And at the end, he said, yeah, that sucked. I said, why? I said, I'm a former prosecutor. I get up, and he said, no, nah, there was no vulnerability. And uh, Marv, I thought you did a really good job of also injecting some vulnerability um, into uh, all of your comments. And so let me ask to start, who here has some responsibility for marketing for your organization? Okay, great. And that makes sense as to why you'd be interested in this topic. Well, I'm going to be taking probably somewhere in the range of 45 minutes to talk about um, this sort of new world we're in, where there is a certification and monitoring requirement that, that Google um, has imposed if you want to advertise on AdWords. And I, I'm going to start off by just telling you a little bit about who we are. Um, this is my first, my company's first attendance at not only this conference, but any conference having to do with the addiction treatment space. As you heard from Marv, I'm not new to this space. And I'll talk a little bit about how LegitScript was started um, and then we'll get into sort of what, what, what is the program going to look like? What are we doing so far? We are in this very early phase. How do we want to be in contact with all of you and to partner with all of you? And, and what do we hope for the program going forward over the next few years? Let's see if I got this right. Marv, I should have asked for a... The green. Is it the green? Oh, okay. It's, I do have an iPhone, too. I should know how to use something like this. So... <laughs> LegitScript, we're headquartered in Portland, Oregon. We've got about 100 people. Um, we come from a whole bunch of different countries. I think we've got 20 countries represented on staff. At every desk, we have a flag uh, so that you know, you know, everybody's country is represented. Maybe later on, I'll identify those countries. Uh, but right now, of course, this program is focused solely on the US. Our mission as a company is to make the internet and the payment space safer and more transparent now and for future generations. And where we started was in the internet pharmacy space. So I'm going to talk a little bit about our history. Uh, it's relevant because even though I, I know probably nobody here um, is in the, the telemedicine space or the internet pharmacy space, as I talk a little bit about how our relationship with Google and all of these other companies evolved, I, I think it will set the framework for how uh, our new addiction treatment certification uh, provider certification program um, has come to be, and we'll put some of it in context. So if we look back uh, 10, 12 years ago, if you did a search on Google 
for Bing, what was then live.com, or Yahoo for any prescription drug, research for the term internet pharmacy, whatever it might be, about nine out of 10 ads, so 90%, were placed by rogue internet pharmacies. So what is a rogue internet pharmacy? It's a website selling prescription drugs without a prescription, which is bad enough if it's not a controlled substance like Viagra or Propecia or something, but it's, of course, even worse when it's a controlled substance, when it's an opioid, um, oxycodone, hydrocodone, uh, Xanax, um, Ambien, whatever it might be. And that was happening a lot. Uh, there are other sorts of problems, uh, not even having a pharmacy license and selling prescription drugs, whether controlled or not, and then selling what's called um, unapproved drugs. So drugs that are not approved by the FDA, some of which are chemically identical to the real thing and some of which are counterfeit. And over the last few years, we have seen um, more and more of a problem on the internet uh, with not only online pharmacies, but designer drugs. And I actually uh, just testified in this trial uh, on Friday. Uh, this is Eloise Perry, Ella Perry. And there is a, a weight loss drug called DNP. I can never pronounce the full chemical name very well, but it was an industrial chemical in the 1930s. Now, it is effective at helping you lose weight. It actually will do that, but in the 1930s, there were so many deaths from it because what happens is, if you ingest this, you actually burn up. And it's just a horrible way to die. Well, there are bad actors selling this on the internet, saying if you really want an effective way of losing weight, we'll sell you DNP. Now, it is okay to use as an industrial chemical, but not to ingest. And so um, Ella Perry, uh, who was a 21-year-old university student in the UK, um, died from uh, the website was drmusclepharmaceuticals.com. In 2014, we notified the domain name registrar. So that's a company like GoDaddy. It wasn't GoDaddy, but it was the company that had the domain name drmusclepharmaceuticals.com selling this product. We said, this is a rogue internet pharmacy and you need to shut it down. Well, they didn't do it. Internet freedom, which I, I believe in, but this was clearly a bad actor. It was about three months after that that this company insisted on leaving the domain name up that Alapera went to that website, bought the DNP, and then died. And you can see her actual text messages to her mom. I think I'm going to die. This is as she was realizing she had taken too much. No one is known to survive if they vomit because of DNP. I'm so scared. I'm so sorry for being so stupid. Thank you so much for everything. I never deserved it. And I'm a little bit emotional having um, been in contact with her mom and having just testified against the three defendants um, in that trial on Friday. There are some really bad people out there. We tried to get that website shut down. We didn't get it shut down. The company refused. And then I, I believe this woman would still be alive if, um, if that company had shut that down. And so we'll see if they get convicted. But we've seen this kind of thing again and again on the internet. And back in 2000, well, back in 2008, 2009, Google started the conversation about rogue internet pharmacies on its platform. There was a provider at the time, I'm not going to name them, you wouldn't, I don't think there's any reason you would know them, but they were doing the internet pharmacy certification for Google. They were taking money from the bad actors. They were taking money from the counterfeit drug sellers. They were taking money from the rogue internet pharmacies selling controlled substances without a prescription. As a result of that, Google in 2010 ended up paying a half a billion dollar fine and having to set aside an additional quarter billion uh, because of a shareholder lawsuit and was directed by the U.S. government to fix the problem. That's where we came in. 
and I'll tell this other story here in a minute. Um, well, I'll tell this story now, and then we'll go back through the history. Just to give you another sense about sort of the scope of, of bad actors on the internet. Paul Calder LaRue. So he ran about, gosh, 10,000 or so websites that were selling. Now, these were not controlled at the time. Soma, Carisoprado, right? Tramadol. Um, as, as you know, these are now Schedule Four, but they were not, if you recall, uh, several years ago, about 10 years ago. Uh, Fioracin. Um, and uh, these websites were selling these products without um, a prescription. Well, we were continually trying to shut down his websites and monitoring for them. And it came out that uh, what he was using that money for uh, was money laundering. Um, he imported methamphetamine from North Korea. Uh, arms trafficking, he personally ordered and carried out seven assassinations. Um, the arms trafficking was in, um, in uh, Africa, as a matter of fact. So he was a major organized crime figure. So the point of this is a lot of the bad stuff that we have seen on the internet is not only bad in its own right, whether you're a rogue addiction treatment services provider or you're a rogue internet pharmacy or you're selling designer drugs or you are an illegal gambling outfit, your motive is not to help people. Your motive is to make money. And that money often goes to do even worse things. This is a real case. This man is in custody. He's confessed to all this in open court. So back to our history. Um, I founded the company in 2007 after five years at ONDCP, where I worked not only on, on some treatment and prevention policy issues, but also state and local law enforcement, uh, prescription drug monitoring programs, um, and, and um, also some international supply reduction issues. Uh, we began partnering with Google to monitor for internet pharmacies, rogue supplement operators, um, rogue designer drug operators, first in the U.S. in 2010. And then in 2011 through 2013, Google expanded what we do. It's not literally worldwide, but it's throughout Europe, Russia, Asia, including China, Japan, Korea, Indonesia, Thailand, throughout the Middle East. So we're more or less a global services provider for, um, for monitoring the healthcare internet pharmacy, telemedicine space. And I realize that probably leads to one question. Is what Google is doing right now going to only be in the US or do we think it will expand globally? Well, that's up to Google. My guess is that it will probably uh, expand to at least some other countries uh, that have some similar challenges as we see here in the US. But to start, the addiction treatment services provider um, certification program is only in the US. When you start working with Google, other companies follow. So uh, Bing followed, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Visa. And what we're doing with all of these entities is we are providing not only certification, so identifying who the good players are in this space, but then also monitoring for the bad actors. I talked before about how in the internet pharmacy space, about 90% of the ads that were placed about 10 years ago were placed by bad actors doing really bad things that were hurting people and that were actually uh, contributing to um, addiction problems because of the sale of opioids without a prescription. Now as we have measured that, that number is down to 0.18%. It's about a 600-fold reduction. So I, I realize another question is, is it actually possible to um, effectively certify and monitor in the space and make a difference. It is. You've got to have the, the willingness of the company like Google. You need, a, I think, need a provider like us uh, who has the ability to treat this not only as a monitoring issue but a cybercrime issue and to enact cybercrime uh, investigation, investigative techniques. 
but you actually can clean up the space. The 0.18% that gets through, we catch within 24 to 48 hours in this space, meaning the internet pharmacy space we've been working in for years, and we get them off the platform. So let's talk now about the addiction treatment certification program. How did that come about? Well, you all know the history where last year, because of some of the bad actors in this space, Google said, ah, we got to hit the pause button here. What are we going to do? Well, we've been a partner, as I described, of Google and others in this space for quite a while. So they asked us to be part of the conversation. And I think the sense was, well, let's see if we can do what we did in the internet pharmacy and the telemedicine space, in this space as well. We want the good actors to be able to, I mean, what you do is so incredibly important. If you take a look at the, the opioid crisis in this country, people need good information. I know Google feels this way too, about where to go uh, to get addiction treatment. But we also need to keep the bad actors out because some of these bad actors, as you know better than I do, are actually making the problem worse. So that's the idea, is to replicate what we have done uh, with Google and the internet pharmacy and the telemedicine space in this space as well. And I'll talk a little bit more about why I think there's actually some real benefits to this and why I think in the internet pharmacy space, the legitimate internet pharmacies, understandably, at first said, wait, I got to pay money to get certified. I got to be monitored. I got to submit paperwork. This is a pain in the neck. Well, but I think as time has gone on, I think there have been some real benefits, and I'll describe those. So, as I said, you know better than I do some of the problems that have, have arisen, and the media has talked about this over the last few years. Um, you know, we, we have seen, gosh, among the bad actors in the, in the best case scenario, it's, it's just not good treatment. But in the worst case, you have the um, addiction treatment provider, quote unquote, that is inviting her buddy down the street who is selling opioids, whether it's heroin or Oxycontin, and they say, come on by. I've got a captive audience here for you. So it's not just not making uh, the problem better. It's actually actively making the problem worse. And we've seen, we've seen deaths. We've, we've seen just real tragedy in this space. So what is the motivation here? Well, again, it's money. I think you all know um, how, for example, this is one of many examples, whether it's sort of kickbacks, whether it's the, the way that uh, urine tests are implemented, the motive is money. It's not to help people get better. And I think that's unfortunately affected you, the good guys, because you have not been able to advertise as you need to on Google. And uh, I, I think there have been some other platforms as well. So our, our larger goal as a company is to provide patients, their families, and our partners information about which treatment providers are credible and legitimate and which are not. And a question I've been asked is, well, this is Google right now, our Bing, and Facebook, you know, Amazon's probably not as relevant in the space, Pinterest may or may not be. Um, are they also going to implement this sort of a requirement? And the answer is I don't know. I can tell you that in the internet pharmacy space, that is exactly what happened. Once Google took the lead, the other companies follow. That's typically what we see. We saw that in our own monitoring work for supplements, for designer drugs, and so on. But that's going to be up to those companies. I can tell you we've been talking to several of those other companies, and I think they're very interested to see in how this goes. And I think, you know, my feeling has been that you want to have one set of standards for legitimacy for the industry as a whole. Industry meaning not only the internet marketing space, but the payment space as well. Because the other thing that we don't want to see 
even though this is a little bit of a different dynamic from the internet pharmacy space, is because money is the motivating factor for the bad actors, they want to have merchant accounts, whether they're getting paid, you know, via PayPal, you know, directly. Obviously, insurance is sort of the main way. But, you know, you want to share information about the bad actors with the insurance providers and the payment providers as well in this space. So that's important. So who does certification apply to? Um, again, this is for right now in the United States. And there's essentially three categories. And I'll explain especially the second and the third because we've had some questions about those. So any in-person addiction treatment, whether it's, it's inpatient, it's outpatient, it's, it's anything where there's that in-person component. Mutual support groups and crisis hotlines. Why are these included? Well, if you look at it from Google's perspective, those types of entities are using very similar keywords or key terms to advertise. And so as a search engine advertising program, Google says, well, we know that there are these keywords, key terms being used to advertise. We need to keep an eye on anybody who wants to market to advertise with those. And that does include the mutual support groups and the crisis hotlines. I'll tell you, we, we have not seen many applications um, in that, um, those, uh, that second and third group, but uh, th that is included um, in the program. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but at least for right now, we are holding off on recovery residences. And I, and I want to emphasize that that is for right now. Uh, one of the things that we want to do is to take this program uh, intentional, somewhat slow, to get it right. We may or may not expand uh, to, to some of the more residential, uh, not residential settings, but the recovery residences. Um, but for right now, um, we are not uh, accepting applications from those. So the benefits for the certification uh, program are, of course, participate in advertising on Google. We are the exclusive certification provider. Uh, again, this may expand to other companies we don't know yet. Uh, we, we want the legit script mark uh, to be something that will be, as it is in the internet pharmacy space, known and trusted not only by uh, providers like, well, when I say providers, I mean uh, Google, Facebook, and others, um, but also internet users as well that are going to your websites for information. And one of the things I'm really proud about for LegitScript is that we work closely with regulators. Uh, many regulators are our, our clients. Uh, FDA is a client, Department of Justice is a client. We work closely with Interpol over the years, the Japanese FDA, it's not called that, um, and others. So our, our brand, as I like to think of it, is if you are LegitScript certified, I know that the FDA, for example, looks at that and says, that's good enough. You know, if we had a complaint, obviously we'll look at it, but we know that you have done your due diligence and that you're serious about compliance. So our, our number one priority here is to, to get it right. Google is not even accepting um, additional advertising in the space until July. So the way that we set this up with Google is we said, you know, we want a little bit of a, an on-ramp here. We want to start accepting applications. We're not going to do all of them at once. We're going to do up to about 30 or so in the first three months. Now, we, from some folks that have applied, We've heard, you know, hey, well, where's my application? I got to submit it to Google. Well, no, you don't need to yet because you couldn't do anything with it yet. They're not even going to start acting on this or start opening that door up until July. So how is it going um, internally at LegitScript? Because I'm, let me just see a show of hands. How many of you have applied for LegitScript certification? Okay, great. 
What I think we are likely to do is in the two weeks uh, before um, that July date, I forget the exact date, it's in the middle of July sometime, it might be around the 15th or something. It's probably in those two weeks that we're gonna let some folks know um, that they have been certified and give people more information about sort of where they are in the process. I will tell you that we have already internally certified uh, some of you, well, I don't know who's here, but probably some of you. And uh, we have not notified those companies yet because what I asked our staff to do is I said, okay, you went through the process, you went through the, the certification criteria, which I'm gonna walk through with you, by the way. Let's sit on that for a while because if you look at an application and you think, oh my gosh, I should have looked at this factor for these other four or five entities that, we, that I just certified, give yourself a chance to do that. So things are going fine. Will we exceed 30? I, I don't know. I would love to see that, but at, at present our goal is up to 30. And then my plan for after that is that we'll be able to do that after that at a, a faster pace. So uh, of course the goal is to properly certify the legitimate entities and then any that are non-compliant. And by the way, we identify the non-compliant ones not only if they, they apply to us, but through you know, what we're seeing out there on the internet, some of the partnerships we have, other sources of information. When we set out on this path, I wanted to make sure that we had an advisory committee uh, that would help us and say to us, yeah, you know, we think this is going well. Here's what we're hearing from the industry. Here's what we're hearing about the new problems that are emerging. Here's what we're seeing about what the bad guys are doing. And let me explain that a little bit. When we implemented our internet pharmacy and telemedicine certification and monitoring program, we saw that the bad actors sat back, and they're really good at this. They said, okay, what, what can I do to get past this? So when you're in the space, you have to be on your toes. I always tell my staff, learn to think like a criminal. <laughs> it, it really, it's, it's really true. And you know, if you were a bad actor, how would you try to get past us? How would you try to get into Google AdWords? So we want to know what not only we're seeing out there, but you all are seeing out there as well. And I think that we'll probably have the first telephonic meeting of the advisory committee in June is my guess, maybe July. Um, but it includes this organization, the NAATP, the Center on Addiction, uh, which also known as CASA, I believe they just changed their name, uh, the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids, and we're going to be expanding it over the coming months as well. We'll have meetings probably about three times a year is my guess, maybe four. And again, it's an effort to inject some accountability into our program. And you know, speaking of vulnerability um, and hopefully some humility, as, as I did um, when I started speaking, you know, we're not going to get this right at first. I can say that about our internet pharmacy certification program um, as well. When we started off with our standards, we had to, you know, after three months, nine months, and then you know, again in about two years, say, you know. Why don't we tweak this? You know, we didn't think about this dynamic. So we do want to approach this with a recognition that uh, we're a learning organization. Um, we're gonna be welcoming input about what we're doing well and what we're not doing well, and I invite you to all share that with us. One of the things that we know is that there's a lot of paperwork. I, I think we need to start out that way. I think we probably need to start off by saying we, we need to see all of this information, and then over time, my hope is that we can make it a less onerous process going forward. Um, but that's part of what the advisory committee is gonna help us with, um, and we wanna have experts on that uh, advisory committee as well. So, so far we've got over 300 applications. Um, it was, uh, it's been a pretty crazy uh, few weeks. 
Who are we going to have in that first batch of 30? Well, we're going to try to have a mix uh, uh, geographically, uh, a mix, some large, some small, various business types. Um, and by the way, just in case I forget to mention it later, uh, there may be, if you're a non, how many nonprofits are here in the room? Okay. If you're a nonprofit, there may be, and I'm underscoring with my voice, maybe um, a, a fee waiver for you. So um, make sure and, and ask about that. Make sure and do not forget to let us know that you are a nonprofit. Uh, I, I don't believe we can offer a, a, a fee waiver to everybody, but we are going to do our best uh, with the nonprofits. So how does it work? Well, uh, there's an application uh, at legitscript.com, a lot of forms you have to fill out. We internally conduct a pretty thorough review. It is extremely common that we come back to you and ask questions. Uh, if you don't hear back from us, I mean, that's certainly possible that you got us everything we need, uh, but normally we're going to have at least a couple of clarifying questions and say, hey, we need to know more about this. That's normal. It, it's not a bad sign. Uh, we make a determination based on review findings. Internally in our database, and I think this is really important to know, we're uh, classifying you as legitimate not only by facility, but by the URL, by the website. And the reason that is the case is because if you think about how Google operates, they're not uh, allowing the placement of an ad by facility. They're doing it by URL, by website, by domain name because they're an internet company. The same is true of, of Bing and Facebook and others. Now, when we work with you know, Visa or a bank like you know, Wells Fargo or something like that, that's, that's different, right? Because they are looking at the actual, what's called the legal person, the company, the facility, the, the corporation. But what we're conveying to Google is, this URL is okay to advertise when you see it in AdWords. It gets whitelisted. So how does that play out a little bit in terms of what if you have multiple facilities? Well. The, and you'll see the pricing here in a, in a slide in a minute, but uh, this is on a per facility basis. My staff came to me with a question just actually yesterday, and they said, well, we have the situation where there's a, a single website, and I think it was, I don't remember how many, it was like 12 different facilities. And the applicant said, well, we're only going to get four of them certified. Don't worry about the other eight. And I said, okay, what's the problem with that? And they said, well, that doesn't work because when Google gets that website, any one of those 12 could be advertised. And so we have to, in that case, say, you know, we, we have to certify that all of them, all of these facilities are, are legitimate and meet our criteria. We can't just do four. Now, if they have separate, if you're a, a company, a single, you know, either nonprofit or corporation, you have multiple facilities with multiple websites, that's different. You can pick and choose which ones you want to submit. But from Google's perspective, it doesn't work if, for example, you say, you know, taking it to an extreme, I have 150 different facilities on this website, but I'm only getting one certified, and then I'm going to advertise the entire URL. So that's the reasoning behind that policy. Fifth, the very important thing that we do afterwards is ongoing monitoring. As you'll see, our fees are divided up into sort of two buckets. One is the application fee, and then uh, one is the annual renewal fee. Why is that? Well, one of the things that bad actors try to do in this space, and we've seen it over and over again in the internet pharmacy space, is, oh gosh, I think I can even tell you a story. Um, let me, yeah, I'll just tell you a story. There, there's, uh, we, we got an application 
I think it was usrx.com was the name of the website. Uh, this is about four or five years ago. They looked totally legitimate. It was sort of a, you know, a telemedicine, internet pharmacy website in Florida. Never any problems in Florida. Everything there is great. Um, <laughs> and so my staff was looking at it, and, you know, everything was seeming to check out except the who is record. And I'm, you're going to see what a who is. Who here knows what a who is record is? Have you heard of that? Okay, so anytime you register a website, a domain name with a company like GoDaddy, you have to put in your details, your, your contact information. That's called the who is record. It tells you who owns the website. Well, it, it was this woman by the last name of Chabra, right? And as we looked at it, um, I said, you know, Chabra, Chabra, Chabra. See if she has any relation to a guy named Vineet Chabra. Well, Vineet Chabra was the internet pharmacy drug kingpin of the early 2000s, and he had just gotten out of prison and registered this in his mother's name. <laughs> and, true to form, when we dug into it more, he was going to be selling opioids without a prescription through this website. I did a, I personally did a undercover test call, um, and I, yeah, you'll love this. So, because, you know, they said in their application, you know, we, we follow all these best practices, so I, I called and I said, yeah, you know, I saw your website, you know, I'm sort of having, I'd like to get some Xanax, if I could, maybe some Vicodin. And, uh, you know, I went to my doctor and he said I didn't really need it, but I could, I'd really like it. And the guy on the phone said, it doesn't matter if you need it or not, we'll figure out a way to get it for you, right? So the point here being, a strategy that bad actors use is they look legitimate when they apply, but then things change. So if the question is, why do we need, from our perspective, to dedicate resources to ongoing monitoring, it's because of that. It's not because we think that every good actor is going to, to do that. I mean, of course not. It's because, from a process perspective, that's how you have to do it to keep the space clean. Before we started working with Google, their previous provider, that happened all the time. So that's a really important part of what we do, is the ongoing monitoring. You know, we've never had a situation where um, we had to come back with anything significant and say this is now a rogue entity. Uh, I assume it could happen someday. And, you know, the way that would work is if we uh, certify somebody and then we see a few weeks later that they've changed things, well, then they lose their certification and they won't be coming back. By contrast, I do want to make sure you all know, if we see something that is, does not denote criminal activity, it denotes, hey, you may not have been aware of this policy or this regulation. We distinguish between that. We're here to help. We don't terminate you from our program if it's obviously not a bad faith thing. So pricing is on a per facility basis. Um, I think this table is pretty self-explanatory. What we, we've tried to do um, is to provide some volume discounts here. Uh, so you can see that the application fee and then the annual fee per unique facility um, goes down the more that you have. And I think, I might be wrong on this, but I think the way we're doing this on our website is if you have, I think it's five, up to five facilities, you need to go through and just submit an application for each one of them. Um, if you can do it in combination, that's fine. By the way, for those of you who have used our application portal, we have a new one coming out in about a month or six mm -hmm. weeks. So, yeah, I mean, the one that we've been using is like from 1996. It's pretty... It's just not great. So I've had my tech team, my team of developers, focused for months on building a new one. It's going to be great. It's going to be much more user-friendly. Uh, so my apologies that we have not had the best portal, but we will have a really good one. 
And uh, so at, if it's above five, uh, you know, I think what we can do is probably try to take that um, offline a little bit. You still need to uh, submit an application, but you, you can submit, you can share documents via whatever it is, Dropbox, um, and we'll invoice you instead of having to, to pay via the portal. And again, are you a nonprofit? Fee waivers may be available. Let's go through the standards. I'm going to get a little bit of water here briefly. All right, so I'm, I'm sort of, um, to be mindful of time, it's about 9.25. I'm, I'm not going to race through this super fast, but I'm going to keep up a pretty good pace here because um, I think most of these are relatively self-explanatory. So there's, I think, about 15 standards we're looking at. Uh, one is pretty obvious. You, you have to be duly registered as a corporate entity or a legal person. You might be an LLC um, in, in the state or the jurisdiction uh, where you're offering services. And that's pretty basic. Um, if there are any uh, licensing requirements for addiction treatment facilities um, or any other activities uh, that you're engaged in, uh, you're going to need to follow those. That, of course, can vary by state. I talked a little bit and I gave an example of why domain name registration is so important. Um, we need to know who has the right to control the content on your website. That's really, really important. When you register a website, you're able to select something called Privacy Proxy. It's an anonymization service. Now, I'm going to segue a little bit um, to talk about what that is, and then I'll come back to why it's important in this space and, and relevant. So let's say I set up, um, I, I have a, a five-year-old and three-year-old at home, and of course, my wife and I have, I think it's now like 20,000 photos of them. And let's say we want to set up a, a website um, you know, it's sort of like a, a photo family blog. Well, I, I don't want people to know my home address. So if you go to a company like GoDaddy, you register HortonFamilyPhotos.blog or something like that, you can anonymize your information. You still have to give GoDaddy your name, your address, your phone number, your email address. But if it's for something pers personal, it's not for commercial use, um, which is what I would you know, consider this area. Um, you should have the right to, to go ahead and, you know, sort of conceal your information. However, if you're offering goods or services, including addiction treatment services um, in the world, my argument would be, why should you have the right to hide who you are and where you are? In most of these areas that we monitor, there is no reason that you would want to do that in, unless you are, in fact, engaged in some bad activity. And... To give that illustration of why it's important, I'll go back to Vineet Chhabra's mother. When we saw that the domain name registration, the person who had the right to control the content on that website, who had actually registered that website was his mother, we were able to make that connection. And that's what we spend a lot of time doing at, at LegitScript, is we map out the entire world, or a sector, I should say. So we're mapping out, we've done a lot of mapping out already of websites offering addiction treatment services, and we classify them by legitimacy. So we're looking for that relationship. If, and you, you know, if, you're, if your website, if your domain name is registered not to your company, but to um, you know, a, a marketing provider, and we see that they are also providing services to a bad actor, that, that is going to be a problem. That's going to really slow things down. So you know, you'll, you'll want to make sure two things, that your website is registered to you. I don't mean personally, I mean your, your company, your legal entity. Um, that there is a person identified in that who is record with your, whether it's GoDaddy or whomever, and that you're not using an anonymization service. If you are, we just ask you to remove it. 
It, it, doesn't, it doesn't prevent you from being certified. You just have to go back and do that. Fourth, uh, your website has to disclose the physical address of the facilities where the services are rendered. So we, we need to know where you are. So it's not only in the WHOIS record, but you have to have that on your website. And that's not just for us. That's for Internet users, and that's for potential clients as well. There's a whole bunch, as you all know, if you've applied, <laughs> a whole bunch of written policies and procedures. Um, we care about best practices. Um, we care about continuous improvement, effective recovery. Um, I'm not going to go into all those right now. Those are in the application on our website, but I know that's been a lot of work uh, for a lot of you. And if you have multiple facilities and, and the, the policies and procedures are the same, you know, that's fine. You can indicate that. Um, I know in some cases they are, in some cases they're not. Sixth, we need to know generally who you are, who your staff is, uh, the business owner, the leadership. You know, the way we probably need to clarify the standard a little bit because if you are, if you're a small addiction treatment provider, a services provider, yeah, we probably want to know pretty much, you know, everyone um, on staff, and, and including we want to know that you've got a medical director, a clinical psychologist with actual addiction training. Now, if you're a large company with over 100 facilities, please don't send us every single resume. Um, we will figure something out there with you. We definitely need some. There again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that not only do we know who you are, but there's no bad actors that we've already identified um, that are applying to us. So that's why we're asking for that information. So we also, the seventh standard, we, we want to know um, that either the, the location, uh, your company owns that, or that there is some lease agreement, there's some permission to use that physical location. As you know, with some of the bad actors, just sort of a, a random house, um, you know, a heard about you know, a trailer or some stuff like that. Um, we we want to know exactly what the relationship is between you and the property. And eighth, uh, it must be a professional setting. Um, you know, we need to clarify this a little bit. Obviously, of course, we support um, you know, a residential setting. What, what we're really after there is the sort of recovery residence setting um, that at least we're deferring right now. Um, so residential treatment centers, of course, are, are fine. If it's solely sort of that sober living, that private recovery residence, we're at least deferring looking at that actively right now. Background checks. So this is for uh, key staff. Again, we're not going to need it if you're large for every single person. Um, and, you know, prior offenses, we're taking that on a case-by-case -case, um, analysis. Uh, hey, look. You know, many of us in this space um, have been through or in recovery ourselves. Um, there might be a conviction uh, for possession of a controlled substance or something like that on um, one of your staff. Um, that, that standing alone is not going to be a bar. Um, could it be in some cases? Well, of course, of course. It, you know, if we see somebody that has a recent conviction and it's just a, you know, it's a shady outfit, uh, we need to know that. Um, but we are going to take that on a case-by-case -case basis. We also need to know about any litigation uh, that was commenced, resolved, or otherwise addressed um, any time over the last 10 years. If you had litigation, is it a bar? No. What we try to do is we take, try to take a look at the severity of it um, and, and sort of, I mean, look, 
I'm a lawyer. I know that there's frivolous lawsuits out there. So it's not an absolute bar. We also need to know about all of the physical properties and corporate entities that are under your control. And again, this is because we're looking at the relationships. What we don't want to see is, again, with that example I gave, somebody apply that looks legitimate and then a bad actor that they also control sort of comes in through the side door. We saw, we've seen that again and again in other industries. So we do require complete disclosure of sort of your entire corporate picture. Eleventh, we want to know that you have proof of insurance uh, to operate um, the kind of uh, services and facility um, that you are operating. And then privacy is really important too. Um, HIPAA and then any similar privacy provisions. And, and we've been asked, by the way, one of the most common questions that we've received has been, what about the information that we, the applicant, are sending LegitScript? Is that going to be kept private? H how do you handle that? And the answer is yes. The only thing that we say in our terms and conditions, as I, if I'm recalling them correctly, is, look, if somebody applies to us and they're clearly engaged in criminal activity, if we run into a situation like poor Ella Perry, right, where we see something egregious going on, we have the right to report it to law enforcement. We're going to do that. Our mission as a company is to help keep people safe, to, to help clean up this space. But, but that's a pretty egregious situation. In terms of any information that we're getting from you um, about you know, your, your company, your staff, that's all kept confidential. And, and there really shouldn't be anything you're submitting to us about, about patients, about, that is you know, PII or, or HIPAA protected. Um, if anything like that happens and you need to talk to us about it, drop us a note, let us know. But our intent is certainly to keep all of that confidential anyway and not sort of tread into that PII and HIPAA space. Broadly speaking, none of your practices may, uh, or anything you're doing should be um, deceptive or to defraud um, potential customers or any internet users. So really, it's pretty simple. Are you telling the truth um, on your website about who you are and what you're doing? Are you misleading? Look, you know, good marketing is fine. You know, generally saying, we're great, we're going to help you, we do a good job, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you know, you make promises that can't necessarily be uh, fulfilled. Medication-assisted treatment. Um, we want to make sure that we're in line with what the DEA and the FDA and best practices have dictated. You know, I know that there are some um, entities out there that are saying, hey, you know, Kratom is great. You know, even saying, you know, marijuana is really, you know, a great way to help with opioid addiction treatment. At LegitScript, we're going to follow the science and we're going to follow the regulation. Um, at present, that is not an approved practice. And so if you're doing that, that, that is going to be a bar to getting certified with us until and unless uh, that changes. Um, are we okay um, with Suboxone and other you know, approved uh, treatments? Of course we are. Uh, we want to, you know, we have some questions about that. We want to make sure that you're your policies and procedures and your practices are, are what they need to be, but of course we're okay with that. What we're not okay with is some of the more, the other stuff that's not approved. And then finally, incentives. You know, this was a great example of how as we were talking to, to Marvin and his staff and, and AATP and some of the other organizations, we thought, well, of course we have to put this in there. We didn't think about this in the first round. Um, we need to know what incentives are being offered or provided to patients or clients to use um, your services? And, you know, generally, I, I've been trying to think if, if there's an exception to this, and I guess there, there could be, but, you know, I think in general, 
incentives like offering to pay for travel, that, that's not going to be eligible for approval. And there's a whole host of other things that we're going to be concerned about because that's sort of what we've seen in this space with bad actors. So we need disclosure there because, again, what we're really looking at is how, how does the money sort of flow here? What are, how are people paying? What are they paying for? Is this an organization that's applied to us that, hey, for-profit is fine. We're for-profit too. But are you dedicated? Is your mission to really help people or is it just to make money through the insurance rebilling and, and such? So, look, this extra step compared to what you were able to do a year ago or a little bit more, I know it's a pain in the neck, and I'm sorry. But let me talk about how this has played out in the internet pharmacy space and why I think in years to come, hopefully you'll look back, we'll all look back and say, this, this was okay. Um, so, you know, again, the first obvious thing is we know of the tragedies that have happened in this space. And Google, and I say this not in any criticism of Google at all, they can't do this on their own. This is not what they do as a company. There are certain things they're really good at, providing an ad platform, providing information, but there needs to be somebody who comes in at the side and says, here's the standards, we're gonna monitor, these entities are legitimate, these are not. So when you clean up an industry, what happens? Well, internet pharmacies, according to government data, are less of a problem today than they were 10 years ago. So, you know, they're never gonna go away, rogue internet pharmacies, I mean. But we really have seen, uh, I, I believe, that there have been lives that have been saved. So here's what's interesting about your industry compared to the internet pharmacy world. Any guesses about what percentage of internet pharmacies are legitimate? Uh, I'll, give you, um, I'll give you a few options. 3% are legitimate, 25% are legitimate, and 60% are legitimate. So who thinks three? Who thinks 20? Who thinks 60? Answer is three. Out of every 100 websites selling prescription drugs on the internet, about three or so are actually legitimate. 97% are rogue. Now, I think this is different in your world. I, I, don't, I don't see it playing out. Now, that, the pharmacies behind them, are that's different, but measured by website. I don't think it's the same in your world. I, I think there is a much higher legitimacy ratio. What is it? I don't know. I bet we'll know in about a year after we get some data under our belt and we get more time under our belt and we work with all of you. I, I don't think it's that dirty in this industry, but we know that there are some bad actors in this industry. So, you know, in this industry we do believe, however, that the legitimate actors are far outweighed by the corrupt ones, but it's the bad ones that have made your jobs tougher. So, you know, as I mentioned before, <laughs> It went from about 90% illicit in the internet pharmacy and prescription drug ad space in um, still, well, that actually should say 2010, not 2011, down to now it's about um, you know, 0.18, which is very quickly caught when those very few 1 in 600 slip through. So what has been the benefit in the internet pharmacy world, and what would I expect to see in this industry as well? Well, one thing that, it, it's not true for every single term, but generally, over time, ad costs went down. Why? Well, because you didn't have the bad actors <laughs> bidding on those terms so much uh, with Google. Um, you know, the other thing is, 
how many ads can appear on Google or Bing or wherever at a time? Well, it's a limited number, and Google has changed that number over the years, but let's say it's you know, at most about 8 to 10. Well, it was pretty bad for the legitimate internet pharmacies when they were trying to get just one of those placements, and all the rest were taken up by rogue internet pharmacies. So what we want to see is that not only Google, but internet users know that if they see an ad in the addiction treatment services space on Google or another provider, they know they can trust it. They know it's legitimate. And the other benefit that we don't know for sure will happen, but we think will happen based on our experience, is that even if you say, gosh, I got to spend all this time, time is money, applying, I got to submit these application fees, that over, as time goes on, you're actually going to see lower uh, ad fees and, and, and uh, click-through um, bidding fees uh, on Google and other providers. So can I guarantee it? No. Do I think it will happen? Yes, I do, based on my experience in this space. And do I think it's probably going to be a bigger financial benefit to you than the application fees you're paying to us? That's going to depend, obviously, provider by provider, but I think most of you will probably see that. That is my hope. So hopefully that will make this all worth it. And then, of course, um, is the, the public benefit here. Um, the, you know, the, there were two options I think Google had. Number one, do nothing and not allow ads in the space at all. Number two, allow a certification program like this. And so, you know, on balance, which is better? And I think it's the second option. So if you haven't applied to us yet, please do. Um, we, we'd love to hear from you. And if you send an email to certification at legitstrip.com, I actually see that as well. It goes to my team that is working on these applications day in and day out. That is our number. Let me tell you a story, and I know Marv knows this story. Um, <laughs> so we got, as I said, about 300 applications in the first couple of weeks. A new person on my staff, so when, when you, you pay the fee, the application fee, there is a uh, little, little space that says if you have a, when you get your receipt, if you have any questions about this, call this, this number. Why my staff did this, I don't know. They put my <laughs> personal cell phone in. I was getting literally about a dozen calls from unknown numbers every hour. And so if you have called us and you haven't heard back, I apologize. I stopped answering my phone for a few weeks. I haven't even listened to the messages. I'm really sorry. It's nothing personal. Um, but please call our office. And you can also go to that, that website as well. Um, you know, having been in this, this industry now for years, first as a prosecutor, Again, as Mar Marv said, not only actually um, convicting drug dealers, but also um, working in the drug court, which was just a real educational experience. And then on ONDCP, I'm um, now in this space. You know, I, I look at those of you who are on the front lines here, and I know it's a cliche to say you really do save lives. But when I look at uh, people, you know, talking to Ella Perry's mother, it, it, it's a real thing. Keep on doing what you're doing. We're, we're proud to be affiliated with you, to help support you. And even though I know there's some extra steps here, um, I hope it's a good thing not only for all of you, uh, but for um, reducing and making smaller uh, this really, really terrible um, opioid and, and alcohol and other addiction problem that we're facing in this country. Thank you for lending me your ears.
so first let me uh, say the irony behind the idea that a person in long-term recovery is standing up here with two lawyers, one of them being a prosecutor. <laughs> I could have never imagined in a million years that I'd be on a panel in Colorado doing this. So um, uh, a couple things. Is everybody using the NAATP app? Okay, really important. I, I, I just wanted to call that out as to how important that app is and to provide information. I think they did a tremendous job, an amazing job uh, on that app. So why am I here? So I'm the provider that has been doing this for quite a long time. And as I was getting on the plane Friday to come here, uh, thinking about this session, I did what I always do is I Googled our name, you know, Seabrook Treatment Center. And lo and behold, this is what popped up. And this is, this is, this is what is happening today, even after Seabrook, as an entity, has sued. Uh, individuals for this. So the first ad that came up says, looking for Seabrook House? Call us first for more options. <laughs> and the web address is uh, www.betteraddictioncare.com. Let us help get your life back now. Private insurance, luxury rehabs available. This is Friday. This is, this is, what's, this is what I think if you're new and a smaller organization and you haven't done this, you haven't checked your own name, you've got to do this. If you walk away from this session with anything, you've got to do that. Um, and the second one, now this is, this is really sneaky and you have to understand what John was talking about from a location standpoint. The second one says free rehab placement services, free insurance benefits check www.vinelanddrugrehabcenters.com, and it's a local phone number. It's a local phone number in my region of southern New Jersey. Vineland is one of the largest, one of the largest cities in New Jersey. So this, this entity has purposely taken that phone number and that web address. And then underneath it, it says, uh, oh, again, looking for Seabrook House? Call us first for rehab advice. So this is Friday and it's still happening. So I'm, I'm encouraging all of you here to stay on top of it. And now what I've done is I have to follow through. I have to fill out a form for Google that identifies that we are trademarked. I have to submit it, and it'll go away. And then next week, it'll pop up again somewhere else. Um, I really want to let me support the title of this presentation and talk about something uh, really important that has not changed that we addressed last year was the big issue. The big issue that Marvin referred to about maps. What we're really talking about here is, is not specifically maps, but it's about the Google business profile that all of you need to register. So if you write anything down today before you leave here, this is what you need to write down. The Google business listing for your facility. And if you, again, if you're new here and you weren't here last year and you don't know what I'm talking about, and you don't have a, uh, an IT department to help you, literally any 15-year-old will help you with this. <laughs> Say, I need to, to claim my Google business listing. The reason being because it is still not changed where Google will allow an outside person to suggest and edit. And if you look at your own name when it comes up on Google, you'll see your name, your address, you'll see a map of your location. And I think it's in blue, in parentheses, it'll say suggest and edit. 
So what we've discovered that, came out, that really came out last year that was big is that these bad actors were changing our phone numbers to our treatment centers and directing it to them. This is what really got us up last year when, when I came up last year to talk about what I've discovered. So two of our facilities, the phone number had been changed. Because although I thought I had claimed our business listing for my Bridgeton, New Jersey location, I had not done my Northfield, New Jersey location. So that number had been stolen. So people were calling that phone number, thinking it's Seabrook, talking to somebody on the phone who was saying, oh, Seabrook has no beds, but we'll help you. We'll help you find a place. And, then, and the only reason I found out was because they would call back the next day, and maybe now they got our right number somewhere else. Maybe they looked it up somewhere else. And they would say, you know, when I talked to you guys yesterday, you told me you had no beds. And we said, what? We, we don't know what you're talking about. So this is really, really important, again, for anybody new or even when you're opening a new facility, a new location, you've got to do this, this Google um, business listing. I started actually for Seabrook um, advertising, wasn't called pay-per-click then, but I started in, in, the, in the late 90s, <coughs> advertising on the internet. And at the time, it was so easy. You actually could just fill out a form, pay a fee, and you were included in Yahoo. You were included. So that means I would show up on Yahoo. And I mean, where we are now, and, and you know, you guys might remember, we used to have all of these different what are called search engines. And does anybody know what the very first search engine was? It was in 1991, the official search engine. What was it called? No, it was close. It was called Archie. Does everybody remember Archie? Well, not all of you. There's a lot of younger people in here, right? It was Archie, and then it was Veronica, and then it was Jughead. This is true. And the World Wide Web Consortium actually wasn't developed until 1994, and then came AOL and Webcrawler and Yahoo. And for me, I started advertising on something called LookSmart, and that would have been in the late 90s. But I actually launched our Google campaign, I, I had to look this up, it was 20 years ago, it was 1998 is when I first started doing this. And so the reason Marvin asked me to come up here and talk to you all was because I have been managing our Google pay-per-click now for 19 years. I finally gave it up a little less than a year ago to an outside agency, but I didn't completely give it up. So I've, I've, I've experienced now all of the changes that have happened and all of the requirements and all of the roadblocks into doing this. And every time I thought I learned something new, it kept changing. And I realize now it is so complicated. And I have no formal training in this. I cannot stay with this. So I found an, an outside entity that has staff that are um, Google SEO certified and Bing SEO certified. So I'm only suggesting that for yourselves if you're looking for an outside agency to help you. Um, we only started advertising on Bing about five years ago. And so for all of us here, basically we're talking about two search engines. It's Google and Bing. And the idea that this came up, that the idea that LegitScript is now going to be a part of us, I think is an incredible thing. I can't believe that it actually happened to me, that it's happened as quick as it's happened. Because this has been going on for five, ten years, the whack-a-mole where I keep hitting them and they keep popping up somewhere else. So we brought it to NAATP last year, and the idea that, wow, within a couple of months, Google had suspended all of the ads uh, is, is, is amazing. Um, is this a pain in the butt? It's a huge pain in the butt. 
it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And sitting here listening to John, I've already made notes of things that I haven't done on the application. I realize now that I own another, uh, another URL, another domain name that I didn't give you because it's sort of a backup to, to you know, seabrook.net, seabrook.com, seabrook.org, you know, you, you kind of buy them all. Um, and I also didn't give you all of the staff we have. I gave you the key staff. So I got to go back and, and, uh, and now look at our application. That may be okay. Okay. Thanks, John. We'll, we'll talk. Do I have any? <laughs> um, so I just want to encourage everybody to, to, people are asking me, well, should I do this? I don't really advertise. You don't know what the future holds. And in this industry, the way everything is moving so fast, the idea that, that Google only came to be in 1998, it only launched in 1998. I mean, this is only the last 20 years. And look at the changes in the, in the 20 years. I can't imagine what this field and this advertising and internet is going to look like um, five years from now. So I've said to people, and I have no control over this, but you know, if you're able to fill out the application, fill out the application. You might want to advertise you know, next year or the following year when things, claim, when things change. Um, I had said to Marvin that I would be here to, ask, uh, uh, to answer any questions for anybody after this seminar. If you want to just come up and ask me questions, I'm not going to, going, to, going to endorse any kind of outside company that's helping me. Everybody really has to find their own way, but you know, this is something about NAATP that has helped me. I started coming here in 1994. I had to go back and look and see when I first started coming here. I was the admissions coordinator for Seabrook, and we had 66 beds and uh, a little outpatient office. And we're now at 150 beds and five locations. And what NAATP has done for me, every time I come to this conference, I walk away with a handful of new ideas just by talking to everybody. So that's why I think this is so important. And that's why I wanted to come up here and talk about this. Um, I could complain about this. I could complain to the CEO and the board to say, look, I really, you know, we're, we're busy out here. Um, but I don't know where this is going to go. And, and um, I'm going to continue to come back, and I really wanted to say that to those of you that are new. I've talked to a lot of people that are new here for the first time, which I was kind of amazed at. It scares me that you're coming into this industry with what you know, but okay. Uh, you know, people are starting treatment centers. Like, wow. Um, you're going to need help, and I needed help, and, and NAATP was really there for me. Um, in, in spite of any of other issues it's ever had, it's really helped me a lot. So I just wanted to say that. Um, and I don't know where we are with time, but um, oh, we're kind of close. So I'm going to close with that. And thank you all for your time. Gentlemen, that was uh, absolutely marvelous. John, you're, you're, a, you're a star. You're a professional. Matt, I loved, first of all, thank you for saying nice things about the organization and, and coming at this from the place that, that you do. Um, it, is a, it is a place of values that combines business acumen. That's what we want. I uh, neglected earlier to thank some folks. That's what always happens when you, when you start naming names. And so Eric Button uh, from uh, Burning Tree in Texas is one of our every year. He starts working for us uh, volunteers um, very early on and does a great job with the exhibit hall. Zane Strand is a, our photographer happens to be married to Katie, so she, he, does, he doesn't dare screw up. Um, uh, you know, Butch Glover from Cumberland is, is always there for us. And, and not, you know, Ruth Ann, 
Rigby is always here, but her husband, um, Jody, was, was a volunteer this year. And then I gotta say a special thing about Ann Bowne. Ann Bowne from Rosecrans, who's worked for Phil Eaton for many years, um, flies in to work the conference. That's what she, that's what she does. She's, she's wonderful, and, uh, and so she's like staff. Um, the last thing I wanna say before we let you have a break and then come back for Doug, is um, recovery coast to coast, that man standing back there in the white hat, he always has a white hat on, is Neil Scott, Mr. Neil Scott from Recovery Coast to Coast Radio. And he's here every year, he does interviews, he records these general sessions, he delivers them to us and we put them up online. Um, and he is, he is uh, underwritten by Scott Munson at Sundown M Ranch and it's a really valuable service, and he's a really knowledgeable guy. Again, I mean, he gets, he gets it, right? He's not, he, he uh, has this program, that, uh, Recovery Coast to Coast, uh, um, but, but he understands recovery from a, from a deep level. And so what he will also do is record these in all these uh, pieces and, a, and put them together for us, and then um, put in a package that we can deliver to our members. You're a good man, Neil, thank you. Um, so, we have a break, and then we're gonna come back and listen to Doug Tiemann. Thanks everybody, thank you gentlemen, you're wonderful. <laughs>